0: Welcome back to
1: Cooper Duper, at Twin Peaks Podcast for regular people. This is Jess.
2: I am Mikey. And we
1: are back today. We're on season three, part <coughs> fourteen of Twin Peaks. Already we have double that dogs in the house. So yeah. if we uh if there's noises, forgive us. We're we're dog sitting for Finn, the world's oldest dog.
2: Yeah, he's a very old mm-hmm. boy.
1: Um anyway. What'd you think? I liked this episode just kind of aesthetically i like it
2: there's things in it my all-time favorite scene from season 3 is in this episode mm-hmm. um but like it's you get 10 minutes up front of just straight like um i what's the word i'm looking for um exposition exposition thank you i wanted to say exhumation that's and michael no, not the same that's thing. not it and then i was like <laughs> exhibition no that's not it either <laughs> <laughs> Execution, Excite Bike. I don't know.
1: Excite Bike.
2: Yeah, remember that game?
1: No. What the fuck are <laughs> you talking? It was an old
2: Nintendo game. It was a
1: Excite Bike.
2: Yeah, it was a like a motocross game. Oh, it was great. I um, should have
1: taken a second pass on that name, though, huh?
2: Oh, it's awesome? It's the best name. Excite Bike's amazing. Okay. Um,
1: Excitable bicycle. Uh, that's nothing too. It's not ahead. about
2: bicycles. Hmm? It's not about bicycles.
1: Well, then when they call Excite Bikes,
2: <laughs> Jessica.
0: Uh, um, no, but they give
2: you that up front, and then you get some weird shit with Andy, and then you get, like, it seems a little bit disjointed again, but some great shit.
1: Yeah, I feel like my, whether I like an episode or not, tends to be less about, honestly, probably it's mostly, like, did I like the last 20 minutes, because that, that's, yeah. like, the, the mood it left me in, and I did like the last, the last yeah, bit
2: of this. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, and, like... We spend a lot of time with the crew in the woods, mm-hmm. like,
1: and we get a whole new. Like, we've met this character before, the guy with the glove, but we get we a. We haven't met him. We've well, we've seen, seen him. seen him,
2: but so now we very have briefly. This... But you would never have noticed him if you sure. didn't know he was coming up. Again. And so
1: now we're on episode fourteen out of eighteen, and we're still getting like exposition jumps of a background yeah. of this random character yeah. who's from London.
2: Yeah, it's so bizarre. <laughs> Who speaks
1: in Cockney rhyming slang, I guess. Um all right, let's dig in. Uh so we start in Buckhorn South Dakota. Um and actually, wonderfully.
2: We start wonderfully. Yes. Yes. Gordon Cole of talking on the phone mm-hmm. to Lucy. I lo- like I love that they're on the phone yeah. too. It's just Lucy being
1: like these two dorks who are just like yelling past each other. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and like it feel but it feels like Cole has this bit in him that's like Lucy, you're still there after all the... And, like, he's a little bit, like, nostalgic and Mm -hmm. and reminiscent on on some of these things. And Lucy's just kind of like, whatever, doing my job. Like,
1: like, Like, no, of course I haven't been here the whole time. I went home every night. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We went on vacation.
2: (laughs) It's just so, like... Isn't picking up on the fact that it's like, oh, here's an old friend who's mm-hmm. saying hello to you again. It's just like, no, I answer the phone and this is the person on the other line. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or this or is. the other end.
1: I, I think this is um, David Lynch letting his audience kind of wallow in some nostalgia a little bit mm-hmm. of like. Because, mm-hmm. th- yeah, that's how it is. Oh, and are, you for him too. are you still doing this? This
2: is literally David Lynch revisiting this character. Yeah. Like, yes. that's what I love about David Lynch having such a prominent role in this. Mm hmm. Is that so often? It is literally David Lynch injecting himself into this story that he loves.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because I normally think it's pretty tacky when people put themselves in their own mm-hmm. project. Like not not all the time, but most of the time, it makes me feel but like slightly uncomfortable and slightly like that person's a raging yeah, narcissist, right? But, but for some reason, when he does it, I'm just thrilled I, to see him. I
2: think it's because he he doesn't, we don't get anything of him off camera, really. Like, we don't see him in interviews, talking about things. Oh, that's a really so good So it's not point. like, so when we, when we want to hear people's explanation of their art, mm-hmm. we don't get it from David Lynch. So we pick up all the clues yeah. here. Yeah. Like, oh, when he's telling you fix your hearts or die or mm-hmm. whatever. That's David Lynch making a political yeah. statement. That's not Gordon Cole. I mean, it is, but yeah. like it's things like that. So we're picking up what things are about by like what's coming from his mouth.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I yesterday. So I got my second shot a couple weeks ago, so I'm fully Woo. vaccinated. Yay. Uh, and so yesterday I uh, was over at a friend's house who moved from Chicago to, to Naperville, which is close to where we live. And she used to be my boss. She has two daughters who are children, children. And the older one i think is 11 12 i'm very bad at gauging ages and children um but sarah my friend mentioned that i had a podcast or something like that and she's like oh what is it and i was like it's called cooper duper have you heard of the show twin peaks she's like no and sarah sarah her mom was like it's very scary it's much too scary for children frankly it's too scary for adults and she and so she i thought she's gonna let it go but she's like so what do you do on this podcast? And I was like, good existential question, first of all. But so I said, you know, we watch each episode and I tried to explain how like David Lynch, who is the main guy, is kind of kooky and strange. And so some of the in st- that, plays on the i'm very good at talking to children so sometimes the things that he puts up there are just silly and weird for weird sake but sometimes they mean something deeper and so it's just two hours of me and my husband trying to figure out which is which and she Mm -hmm. i thought it was a good explanation she looked deeply bored by the end of the sentence so i don't think we're aimed for the for the 12 year old set anyway um but when
2: they grow up this will still be here for them
1: oh yeah oh wouldn't that be weird like I just generally couldn't remember if it was Maya or Mia. So, hi, Maya or Mia. Mia. Maya. Mia.
2: You told me, Maya. Well, I don't know. I think it's Maya.
1: The other one's Jane. That's all I know. That one's much easier for me to we
2: remember. We call her Janie E,
1: though. <laughs> <laughs> I call her Janie F. You call her Janie E? Weird. She's the second. It doesn't matter. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, like Mikey said, we have Cole on the phone. He's calling Lucy. Delighted to hear from each other. Um, she connects him to Frank. Uh, Cole, this is the first time Gordon Cole realizes that Harry S. Truman's no longer with with the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department. Um, And at one point, I did... I understand why he did it, but I did have a moment of like, I really wish they just made Hawk the the chief if like they weren't gonna mm. get Harry S. Truman I like the bits about the jokes of where Sheriff Truman here's Sheriff Truman who the fuck is that like that those jokes work but I so want yeah. Hawk to just be like cause he's deputy captain now
2: Yeah, I so deeply want I him would, to just be captain I would suspect that like so much of his character is written for this stoic kind of I, not that Hawk isn't that but like they were written for and he needs somebody to play off of sure like I think it was so much of it was just written for regular Truman, and then they just tweaked it. Yeah, yeah. I think to make right. it, I think, and it was easier to do that. Then, and That's- plus, you get Robert Forster, which he was supposed to be a big part in Mulholland Drive as a series. Mulholland um, Drive was a new series. Ro- Mulholland Drive was supposed to be a series, and so every everything you get in is, up until the sex scene in Mulholland Drive is basically the 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 pilot more or less on paper
1: oh so it's sort of what he did with the pilot of twin peaks right it's basically
2: that and then when it didn't get picked up or whatever things happened networks got involved and mucked everything up like they do Mm -hmm. um he decided to go back and reshoot things and figure it out and like shoot it all and make it a a feature film Mm -hmm. um but robert forster was supposed to be a big part in that and but because they made it a movie and they cut it all down he's in mulholland drive but very very small, a very very small role. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very small role. Um, so I think part of that too is like here's an opportunity to like pay you back. Sure, you know, I you were you were promised this big thing when this happened, it didn't happen. Now I'm giving you another opportunity, which I think Lynch very much likes to do those kinds of things. I
1: think Lynch, like a lot of directors, has his like crew oh, of sure. people that he that he likes to work with, and and yeah, that totally tracks. Um, so. Uh, Frank explains his brother's whereabouts. He tells him about the pages from Laura Palmer's diary um, that were found, and that they suggested the existence of two Coopers.
2: So I, th- I, I'm glad that they kept this whole scene pretty vague because I was a little bit not paying attention to the words being said because I was just excited to see Lucy and mm-hmm. and you're also Cole confused talking. as to why
1: Cole was calling. Well, I was for, yeah, I
2: because. I, it was only a little longer than a week because we recorded our last episode a little earlier than we normally do, but like I feel like I was like, did I miss something? Mm-hmm. Why is Cole calling Twin Peaks? I didn't remember this connection coming in, so and then I realized he's calling back.
1: That feeling that you have is the feeling I have every moment I'm watching <laughs> Twin Peaks. Of like, or wait, did I miss something? It's <laughs> 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 fucking weird, dude. Rude dude with bad attitude. That's my husband. Sorry I said that. I was just vamping because he had to get up to clean his glasses because he's a poindexter. Okay. Um, Albert tells Preston... A be- so I, Albert- I also, uh,
2: speaking on kind of what we said, finishing up that scene, Cole gives a, a nice close to it where he says, "Like, well, all the best to you and all the best to Harry, which I feel like is, again, mm-hmm. David Lynch saying... No hard feelings to Michael Ankean, who played Harry Truman. Of course. All the best. We're, we're making it work without you. Because yeah. I think he just, from what I understand, just didn't want to do it. <laughs> just, I don't know if it's a, I'm done acting. I don't know if it was a, health. I'm done with this character. Mm. I don't think it was a health thing. I feel like I would have heard that. Especially since, like, several people have died Dyson. since this. Yeah. And he's not one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, not that, you know, your health is only life or death. Like he no, could have, course. you know, Oh, I have bad hips. I don't move around well. Right. Or anything like that. But like it, fe- I think he would just, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like doing it. And thank you, but no. Yeah. And I think this was just kind of a, a nice way of saying like from David Lynch's mouth, no hard feelings. We're all good. Yeah. Thank you for being a part of Thanks it before. Thanks for the memories. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think, um, the fact that Harry S. Truman is mentioned so frequently in this series mm-hmm. is, I think, supposed to be an indicator of like, hey, we're, hey collectively we're this, not mad at us. this.
2: Isn't Donna Hayward? We're not just moving past your exactly. existence. Exactly. We, you exactly. are a part of this, and we we're acknowledging that mm-hmm. whether or not you're here.
1: Uh, so we cut to um, Albert and Tammy. Uh, he's telling them, t- excuse me, telling her about the first Blue Rose case. So a woman named Lewis. Uh,
2: Lois Duffy. Lois Duffy.
1: Lois Duffy Duffy was arrested by Cole and Jeffries after murdering a doppelganger of herself. I loved how this story came. First of all, I could listen to him tell me, like, Mm -hmm. creepy stories for the rest of my life. And
2: the the way he tells it, like, like a teacher.
1: That's exactly what I was thinking. It's parental.
2: Yeah, he's not just telling you a story. He's telling you a story while training. He mm-hmm. Like, this is very much a, you know, mentor, mentee, like, master-apprentice thing. You're now part of this Blue Rose task force. Mm-hmm. We've inducted you into this team. I have to tell you these things. Shit's about to get bumped. And I'm not just going to tell you shit. Mm-hmm. I want to engage because mm-hmm. I'm a good teacher. So, like, so they found out, you know, she says, I am like the Blue Rose. And then she disappears in front of their eyes. And then they look up and realize... The woman in the corner is also Lois Duffy. Mm -hmm. Note she didn't have a twin. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I know what you think. Uh, uh, You might be thinking that. But then, not like, not continuing the story, stops and asks, what's the one question you should ask me right now?
0: Mm -hmm. Two young field agents investigate a murder in Olympia, Washington. They arrive at a motel to arrest a suspect named Lois Duffy. They hear a gunshot outside her room and kick the door in. They find two women inside. One on the floor dying from a bullet wound to the abdomen. The other holds a gun which she drops as she backs away when they enter. They recognize the wounded woman as Lois Duffy. She speaks her last words to them. I'm like the blue rose. She smiles. Then dies. Then disappears before their eyes. The other woman, screaming in the corner, they now notice, is also Lois Duffy. By the way, Lois Duffy did not have a twin sister. Then, while awaiting trial for a murder she swore she didn't commit, this Lois hangs herself. Those two arresting officers were Gordon Cole and Philip Jeffries. Now, what's the one question you should ask me? What's the significance of the blue rose? An answer. Blue rose does not occur in nature. It's not a natural thing. The dying woman was not natural. Conjured. What's the word?
2: A topa. And she stops to think about it Mm -hmm. and then gives her answer. Like it, it's very, I just, the dynamic is great.
1: Yeah. And you, you, a little bit skipped over the fact that she says, I am like the blue rose. And so right. when, when, um, when Albert kind of asks, kind of gives the floor to her, like, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on this? Her, her thing is, well, blue roses don't exist in nature.
2: She's and thinking aloud. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
2: there's in, two of her. The, I think about the tulpas are a thing. So like, she's clearly educated.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Um. So yeah, the doppelganger. So we assume the doppelganger is murdered, right?
2: And I don't think not, we know.
1: It, and is there a way? But to I. Know?
2: But seemingly, one person is a tulpa. Mm-hmm. And this is the first we ever really get of what is a tulpa. Yeah. This is yeah. This is our. And first. you can look that up. Like that's a thing that's existed in mythology and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's basically like what this ducky jones is and stuff like a manufactured version of something else it's like a clone but it's created via magic not you know oh
1: and it the root of the word is uh is tibetan yeah which is interesting yeah. cuz we we have ties of tibet mm-hmm. back to episode 3 is the tibetan rock throne
2: and just everything david yeah. lynch does <laughs>
1: yeah um so, so yeah, so we're starting to dig into the layers of, like, what the fuck is going on with Dougie and and Mr. Mm-hmm. C and Cooper.
2: Yeah, well, okay, we've got a, within the mythology of this show, at least, we've got an explanation for why there can be two of one person. Right, right. We don't know what it means. We mm-hmm. still don't know what the Blue Rose, like, we understand that it means inexplicable mm-hmm. or odd or... You it's know, supernatural. This is what we would call Mulder and Scully in for. Yes. Um, but we don't. It doesn't like the 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 not directly explainable. This guy killed this guy. This sure. this person robbed this person mm-hmm. or whatever. It's weird shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cole enters. Uh, Diane uh, also enters soon thereafter.
2: With Cole- a great with a great punch in the way, like walks in. Deputy Diane reporting. Yep. Like, like, so, I, like, so, like, fuck you for making me do this. Yeah. Like, but you're going to pay me, so whatever. But, like, so just, like, f- fake excited about yeah. it all. I love it. I love yeah,
1: it. It, it does feel like, like, a bunch of kids wanting to go camping and the one kid gets dragged along who hates outdoor shit. Like, I'm fucking here, nerds. Yeah, oh, like, I'm
2: here. Let's fucking pitch a tent, Yeah, exactly. Exact. Like, that's exactly. Deputy Diane reporting. <laughs>
1: So the tension in this scene is largely based on the fact that we all know that something the, the officers know that Diane is communicating with somebody who is not mm-hmm. who's unknown. Um, but they, for reasons that they well, may have explained what to us, we
2: don't know as the audience is. Does Tammy know any of this?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right.
2: She was since she's now looped into the Blue Rose Task Force. Yeah, she may have been debriefed at some point sure. off camera. But we don't know if she knows anything or not. Mm-hmm. Are they giving her an opportunity to figure something out on her own? Mm-hmm. Are they leaving her in the dark on purpose? Right. We don't know What's that name? kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Um. So Cole asks her. So on this last night that she saw him, she wants to. Uh, Cole wants to know if Cooper mentioned uh, Major Garland Briggs. Um, and she says that he does. He did. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Um. Albert explains the fate of Briggs, noting Ducky Jones' ring was found in Briggs' stomach. And so now, finally, we're connecting who the fuck Dougie Jones mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and who Janie E. is. Um, so Diane recognizes the name Janie E. Uh, as belonging to her half-sister, who is married to Douglas Jones in Las Vegas. They are estranged, as she says.
2: Here's the th- the one <sighs> odd thing I have with this recollection of Diane's. Okay, so Janie E. is her half-sister. Mm-hmm. Great. She's married to someone, and apparently she was married to somebody named Douglas Jones. And oh, this, she's married to someone named Douglas Jones, and it goes by Dougie. So she knows, she's close enough with Janie E. to know she's married to a man named Douglas Jones. She knows his first and last name, Mm -hmm. and that he goes by Dougie. Sure. She's never seen this man uh, or a photograph of this man.
1: She's estranged enough that she
2: knows this information, but yeah. also doesn't know what he looks like at all because immediately she'd be like, oh, that's fucking Cooper.
1: That's a very good point. why
2: why does she not know what he looks like but knows enough about him to know his nickname and shit?
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. And is this all the explanation we get to why she's Janie E
2: Like um the assumption. I have is that her name is Diane Evans, Janie E would be J um, Janie E for Evans, sure. Janie Evans like
1: how you're on Mikey G forever. Sure, yeah, yeah.
2: I think it's Janie E E yeah. for Evans.
1: And also in David Lynch's credit, to David Lynch's credit, he picked a really good name with Dougie Jones because I can think of three Doug Jones off the top of my yeah, head I, that I, I, I know, either know or I know, know at least of. a couple. Like we have a friend. We, then yeah. there's the actor, the skinny actor. Uh
2: huh. And there's the, the senator. Is he a senator, governor, uh,
1: congressman, con-
2: political guy? Yeah. Um.
1: Those are yeah. Those but are like, my three. <laughs> but it's a good name that's distinctive because I don't know a lot of Dougs, but like mm-hmm. Doug Jones is a perfect.
2: Don't even give Doug Jones a sniper gun. Tell
1: that story. No! It's such a good story. This is from Mikey's days at God, Geno's I don't even East. remember. I am going to tell it for you then. I So... It was some new guy had started at Geno's and you worked with this I guy DJ. I don't think he was that new. Oh, really?
2: But yeah, there was a weird guy who was... It was like shady. He was like weird in like the type of thing where like when you hear about a mass shooting, you're like... Oh yeah, I could like if if oh, if yikes. I had heard that this kid did that, uh-huh. I'd be like, yeah, that sadly doesn't surprise me. Ooh. This dude was off; something uh-huh. was broken. Uh-huh. Um, but he apparently asked this guy, and I'll leave his name out of it. Just, but he was from Serbia. Mm-hmm. He was like born and bred Serbian. Mm-hmm. Um, they've did American now or whatever. But like this guy asked the Serbian guy if he could get him a sniper rifle I don't know why I don't I just he assumed I guess that because he's Serbian he mm-hmm. somehow has a connection to like and this guy this Serbian guy is telling this story to us and he's like
1: I you should explain who Doug Jones is okay, so yeah so
2: we have like there's there was a, a Doug Jones and a Doug Tyler that we mm-hmm. worked with so they both went by Doug Jones or Doug Tyler mm-hmm. like just full name them full named them because yeah so you know who was who and Doug Jones and DJ, I'll, whatever, I'll call yeah. him DJ. That's fine. That no one knows not that that's not even his real name. That's yeah. the nickname anyway. But Doug Jones and DJ were pretty good friends. They both worked there for a long time and everything. And he's telling, DJ's telling the story so matter of fact. Like, he told stories all the time about his, where he grew up in war-torn fucking Serbia. Mm-hmm. And they were insane, it's grim he,
1: stories that and, he was laughing. About. And he would
2: just tell them so matter-of-factly. Uh-huh. But he was telling this story about this kid asking him to, and he kept referring to it as a sniper gun, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. He would just be like, and so he asked me to get him sniper gun, and I don't, I don't, I don't even know this guy. I don't get, I don't even get Doug Jones sniper. No, I don't even get Doug Jones Like, stop to think. Like if Doug Jones asked me for a sniper gun, would I get Doug Jones Like not even questioning like oh clearly he could get his hands on a sniper rifle. Mm -hmm. Like if he yeah I don't even get Doug Jones' sniper gun. Why I get this kid's sniper gun?
1: Yeah. You know what, that story has lost some of its shine in the last ten years. Yeah. Based I on mass <laughs> shootings that He we've told another
2: story once about how like him and his buddies when they were children.
1: Water balloons? were throwing
2: water balloons down at pedestrians on the street just cause, cause kids are assholes. They're, yeah. They're, they're ten years, years old neither. and they're kids. And he's like, well, we throw we throw water balloons down. And this guy, it almost hit him. And he, so he pulled out gun, bang, 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 he fire up. He don't see us. He's just firing in the sky like an idiot. And it was just like, dude, you almost got shot as a (laughs) child. And you're like telling the story like this fucking idiot. Like it was, oh my God. It's just these wild stories.
1: Sniper gun. Yeah. But
2: anyway, every time I... Hear about that. I, I sniper gun goes through my head. Mm-hmm. The word sniper gun with a Serbian accent goes through my head, which I think is
1: just the fact that he's yeah. not offended that, oh, because I'm Serbian, he thinks I can get him a yeah. sniper rifle. It's, I, oh, you think I'm you know Serbian me well and enough? I can't, yeah.
2: It's that we're not close enough for me to do that for you. Read the fucking room, bro. Oof.
1: Oh boy. I hope we should look up yeah, that this, guy and The see service
2: him. industry is a, uh, which guy?
1: The one who asked for the sniper gun.
2: That guy's dead. I don't remember what happened. Oh, I
1: forgot. I don't remember what happened,
2: but that I, but that guy died. I don't remember how or why. I don't know if it was suicide or if it was, whatever. But he died. I remember hearing about that. I it's baffling to me how many people I know that I've worked with at various serving jobs who are dead.
1: Yeah, that's a little grim for kind of what our.
2: (laughs) Isn't it insane? (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's really sad. It's rough stuff. Okay, so anyway, Doug Jones. Um. So, so we've established. Okay, I my half sister is Janie E. She is married to a Douglas Jones, goes by Dougie. And last I heard, they're in Vegas. So Tammy immediately picks up the FBI,
2: which which also goes back to the point of the conversation she had. Of they haven't asked about Vegas yet.
1: They have. Oh yes, 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 yes. With the text, the text message. Yes, yes, yes. They haven't
2: asked about Vegas yet. Like. Which makes me wonder now. Is she actually related to Janie E in any way, shape, or form? Or is she just saying this to be like, I've been trying to steer you guys to fucking Vegas this whole time and you're not asking the right questions. Mm. I'm going to intervene now and actually start pushing you there.
1: Mm, maybe. Um,
2: I don't know. I mean, I don't have... I don't, don't know have... either.
1: I'm thinking about it. Uh... Because we like,
2: don't know what her motivations are. This is just a loaded are. conversation. Yeah,
1: we don't know what her end game exactly. is. So I... Yeah, I, I don't know. I do not know. Um, so Tammy calls the FBI in Las Vegas. Cole tells them that the Joneses are wanted in relation to a double homicide. With what's his, do you know this actor's name off the top of your head?
2: Uh, I did. I can't remember it now. He was he was on the Real O'Neils and which, he was great. which y'all,
1: if you're looking for a, it's a wholesome, it's a, it's, yeah, wonderful, it's a family sitcom. sitcom, The Real O'Neals is the shit. Um, and so. Okay, this doesn't go deep into that conversation. So he, he's like, okay, well, you know, we'll look them up. And then he hangs up the phone. He's like, there's 37 yeah, Doug...
2: 23, I think it was. Doug yeah, Jones,
1: yeah. Douglas Jones is in...
2: The greater metro area or whatever, yeah.
1: <laughs> and his, like, kind of hapless partner is like, how are we going to find the right one? <laughs> and he loses his fucking knife! How many
2: times have I told you that's what we do in the FBI?!
0: There's 23 Douglas Joneses in the Greater Metro Area. How are we gonna find the right one? Wilson, how many times have I told you? This is what we do in the FBI.
2: It's so good.
1: Do we hear more from this guy? Yeah. Okay. He said a
2: little bit more, but.
1: Oh my god! It's such a hard right turn from like, yes, sir, of course. But
2: but the perfect amount of too big. For everybody else who's ever made a movie, mm-hmm. but not too big for David Lynch, right? Like the the character, like it, it doesn't it all goes seem back to the,
1: that Brie sandwich thing. Yeah, like bigger, bigger, bigger. Yeah,
2: it's just so insane, but totally works with the quirkiness of this show mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I allow it, and I think it's funny, I and I think it's it. energy. Well, like it isn't like oh my god, this is just sure. stupid. Like it's over the top, and we all recognize that, but I'm fine with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So, Diane leaves and Cole lets Albert and Tammy know that the Twin Peaks Sheriff, what the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department found. So, the the, the pages from Laura Palmer's diary. He then tells them about a dream. So, this is yet another in a long series of dreams that we have Mm -hmm. to sit and listen to people tell. (laughs) Which, in real life, if somebody just sat and told me all of their dreams, I would lose my mind. This one is weird.
2: And because this whole dream sequence takes place legitimately in France. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you could like that's why they have like in the credits, there's they've got a tax credit or whatever. And from, this was
1: all it was. It was this three minute scene. Yeah. This no. whole
2: scene is in front. I I get the impression that this there's like two options of this scene. One of them is just David Lynch telling you the dream mm-hmm. in the room with those people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then another one where they show you the dream and they shot him telling the whole story just to make sure we have coverage. Mm-hmm. Then they, at the end of all this, got a chance to go to France and film this, Mm -hmm. filmed it. And then we're like, well, I don't want to just show the dream somehow. Let's just mash them together. So it's basically like you see the dream. Then you see David Lynch tell you exactly what you just saw. (laughs) Then you see the dream and then you watch him recap it. Like like back and forth, back and forth. And it's, it's bizarre, but it feels like it was like, We didn't know which one to use, Mm -hmm. so we just mashed them both together. And it's
1: really beautiful. For like once again, I feel like anytime David Lynch does these these close ups that he does, Mm -hmm. specifically, he films his own face really beautifully, in my opinion, (laughs) which I is great because like I love that he is whatever in his seventies and yeah, and doesn't.
2: You can see the grain in his like the like the the, (sighs) yeah like texture. Yeah, yeah. his
1: face just shows its age, and it's just. A really stunning it like it could because he's filming it he could have very easily been like okay we're gonna take it kind of like a mid shot we don't sure. need to like get right up in my face but i and he does that with um what's her name
2: monica Monica,
1: bellucci. yeah of just the same thing of just like she's just got this beautiful face and uh, it's a very yeah again a very honest, again this
2: is one of those where like david lynch is like i've had a crush on monica bellucci my whole I life don't know
1: Who monica bellucci is really? um,
2: you not. she was a She's an actress. She's she was a Bond girl. She was in like oh, okay. Sin City. She's she's mostly a, a French woman, so mm. she's done a lot of French film. Um But she's yeah, just she was in um She's in some Clive Owen action movie that was really bizarre. Maybe it wasn't Sin City that she was in. Maybe I'm conflating these two. But either way. Um there's a lot of this. The reason they show this that I think they didn't want to cut any of this out is that all of this is so fucking coded. Mm -hmm. Like she sits there and she's got her like fingertips like pressed against each other in a very particular way that isn't...
1: It's not like she tense her fingers. Right. It's more...
2: But they're like two are crossed over this way and Uh one is up top. Like as though it means something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what.
1: This is once again Mia or Maya. This is like... Yeah. Is that just how she shows her hand holds her hands? Yeah, or exactly. is that some sort of crazy code that we could spend the next ten and years on? And then yeah, he
2: turns around and looks back and it's you know, why can you You brought fucking Kyle McLaughlin to, to France.
1: I mean and I guess I face. guess this
2: could have been done elsewhere or whatever.
1: I just suspect that he wanted Kyle McLaughlin sure, to hang out with him in
0: sure. Paris.
2: Brings him there and films him from the fucking bottom of the nose down. So funny. For one shot. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's and then she says, you know, we you know, uh, we, we'll drop in the, the, the quote or whatever. And then she said the ancient phrase, "We're
1: like the dreamer, who dreams
0: and then lives inside the dream. We are like the dreamer
2: who dreams and then lives inside the dream. I told her I understood. And then she said, But who is the dreamer?
0: But who is the dreamer?
2: Uh, But she says, you know, finishes all that out with, but who is the dreamer? Mm -hmm. And again, one of those moments, straight to camera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's looking you, the audience, dead in the eye. Mm -hmm. As if to say you are the dreamer we are the
1: dreamer we skipped over the we are like the dreamer who dreams and lives inside the dream and then she says but who's the dreamer so it's what is what is reality we are the the
2: dreamer who dreams and then lives inside the dream Mm -hmm. which again I feel like I feel like it's another example of him incorporating the real world into this show in a very meta way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but it's it's fantastic. It's a very cool, very ethereal scene with mm-hmm. the with the black and white. Love the black and white. Like the Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's
1: Yeah, it, it's just a really be- It's yes, just very it's beautiful.
2: floaty. It feels like the whole scene is somehow floating.
1: David Lynch is very good at at capturing what a dream feels like. Yeah. Because it's that sort of like nothing makes sense but you're not really questioning anything like yeah. to me that's a that's kind of the yeah, nature he turns of around dreams. Looks behind
2: him and he's like and then i just saw myself right. when i was in I the younger days
1: for me anyway that's the nature of my dreams of like this weird shit is happening yeah. and like somewhere in the back of my head i'm like well i know that's mikey but he has like my friend john's face what the fuck does that mean you know mm-hmm. what i mean like but in my dream I'm occupying
2: like, a different space but you yeah
1: what? um so, and, then we get,
2: and then we get a flashback We get Bowie again We
1: get Bowie He he says Phillip That Monica, that Monica uh, Indicated him to look back And he saw himself On February 16th 1989 Which genuinely When he looked over his shoulder And saw his You know Face 30 years younger mm-hmm. I genuinely like gasped It was just I don't know why It's really cool
2: Seeing a juxtaposition Like that uh-huh. Of
1: Because it's I, I think
2: Somebody Looking at your face From basically the same angle Mm-hmm 30 years apart it's and just angle. watching watch look how this person aged yeah. and it's beautiful it's the same
1: angle it was also in black and white if I'm remembering right this is the feels... fire walk
2: with me footage that they dropped dropped right. into black and white yeah
1: Um. so this is the day of Jeffrey's brief reappearance Um. and notes that Jeffrey's and particularly notes Jeffrey's asking who he thought Cooper was so this is our first
2: who do you think that is there
1: so this is our first under. <sighs> Standing of you're seeing Cooper but is it Cooper? Mm-hmm. So it's possibly a tulpa or we or don't know. doppelgangers
2: or those are those the same thing. What is Doppelganger. Exactly. Okay. So. But um, then also what's important in this scene is he and then it, and then it all came back to me. I started remembering this.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then Albert is like yeah I'm starting to remember that too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, you think you'd remember when your missing friend who has been gone for several years suddenly appears Way and appeared. then disappears again? You- and accused
1: your other coworker of not being who he is. Right. And, like,
2: <laughs> oh, let's not talk about Judy. And, like, you remember that. So, what's forcing these people to forget these things? You know what I mean? Like, there's something that is destroying those memories, I think.
1: I want to float an idea that I read about in a book called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, which is a series of essays by a psychologist throughout the 20th century who looked into um, unusual neurological disorders. Okay. Um, And the one... Of the man, who, like the titular one, is a man was saying he was having trouble. Something was off. Something was wrong, and he went to grab his hat from the hat stand, hat rack. You know, this is back in the day when men wore hats everywhere, and like reached for his wife instead. It was mm-hmm. just like this weird disconnect between what he could see and what it meant. And one of the ones that I found really interesting is that there is a disorder that severs the emotion from recognition so if you if i had this disorder Mm -hmm. and you walked in the room i would see you and i would recognize you as like this is what my husband looks like this is michael greif but when i see you i feel nothing like i don't feel warm emotions towards you i don't feel memories i mean
2: that's that's just me though (laughs) (laughs) i don't blame you for that
1: uh, and so the result is the patient the sufferer will accuse like you're not my mom you're an actor pretending to be my mom you're the exact same person but it's not i know it it's
2: like reverse gaslighting <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like yeah, gaslighting yeah, it's, yourself almost
1: um and that for some reason that's kind of what it makes me think of like especially the David Bowie scene of when he walks away, like, who do you think that was? Because we all saw that it was Cooper, mm-hmm. but something was wrong. Well, it's and it's also, and I wonder if Lynch knew about that sort of
2: dis, that disorder. It could be. And it's also like David Lynch going back and recontextualizing things.
0: Because mm-hmm.
2: when we first see this scene in Fire Walk With Me, it's it's somebody who doesn't know where they are. Who do you think that is there? Oh. Are you who I think you are? Not... So it's coming. It feels like it's coming from a place. The first time we see it, of Bowie not knowing where he is, of Philip Jeffries, is this is this the Cooper that I know, or Mm -hmm. is this somebody else? Not you're not the Cooper. Like it's not accusatory.
1: Yeah, but and now it feels more
2: accusatory.
1: Sure, sure. Like
2: there's, it's it's just reframing a certain line of dialogue. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, obviously, later in this series, we go back in and recontextualize things that we've seen um i'll take your word for it i don't remember anything from here on out (laughs) but yeah it's it's an interesting take and Mm -hmm. and it's and also it's a it's a play on like your own memory like Mm -hmm. sometimes you remember things not the way they happened Mm -hmm. or you know
1: there is um a podcast that i will drop into the notes that i uh, encourage everybody to listen to it's It's genuinely, I think, just called Bad People or something like that. Um, And it's a BBC podcast that is a psychologist, a clinical psychologist. I think that's what she is, um, who they talk. It's a true crime podcast. um, And she talks about it through the lens of psychology. And Mm. her, when she got her doctorate, her thesis was essentially how tenuous memory is. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, and genuinely, I remember where I remember walking the dog listening to this, and it like shook me to my core that for her thesis, she took a series of people and basically planted memories in their head
0: mm-hmm.
1: of like, hey, Michael, so uh, thank you for joining us and so if you if I'm interviewing you, I know your background, I know your criminal record, mm-hmm. I know everything. Your mom was telling me about the time that you got um you got arrested yes. or. Yeah. Siri just tried to find Michael Sarah. Anyway,
2: <laughs> he's on the road, man. The road is his dharma, you know. Um,
1: so, uh, you know, M- Mikey, you're. I was just got off the phone with your mom, and she told me about the time that you got arrested for getting in a fight when you were twelve. Do you remember that? And you would say, "No, I don't remember that." Like, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? And through a series of interviews she would do, she would like...
2: Keep going back to it.
1: Manipulate them. And by the end, they almost universally were like, oh, I totally remember that. Because like you I You remember the
2: sc- story. You've heard the story Because that's yeah.
1: how your memory I
2: honestly think most of my memory is that.
1: Oh, 100% it's that.
2: I, I have a terrible... Like people always talk about like, oh, what was your earliest memory? I'm like, I have no fucking idea.
1: I am the opposite of you. I
2: have terrible like memory going back to those times and the memories I have are stories which is why I repeat the same fucking stories over and over again because <laughs> that's what I remember are yeah. stories and
1: when you keep telling it to yourself it roots I think that I yeah your, I think I remember it's like it. road ruts it just yeah. makes it easier to go down yeah um yeah it's funny and I'm the opposite that I'm usually really good at pulling up memories like that but genuinely like if my phone wasn't in my eyeline right now <laughs> I would
2: not know where it was yeah yeah and then I'm the opposite I'm at. yeah like, exactly I fucking know where everything is I, it, yeah it's just it's a it's a very there's a thing we well, remember when we were watching brain games for a while that was another one when, there's a few like uh, Michael Carbonaro does some shit with that or sure. Justin Willman but like brain games they did one where they staged a car accident in like a courtyard kind of thing do you remember this vaguely and like had someone like crash into a post or something and then get out and run away and then they took a bunch of, like, it was, like, outside a outdoor cafe or something mm-hmm. like that. They took a bunch of eyewitness statements, and I kept going back into them. And, and just, this was less about planting memories, but more about, like, the unreliable, like...
1: Oh, your memory is so fallible. It's, yeah, so everybody
2: fallible. was like, no, 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 this guy was 6'4", four. No, you no, know, no, he's 5'6". He was wearing a black jacket, he was no, wearing I'm, a red jacket, yeah. this... How fast was the car going? And then, and then it was like it wasn't even a fucking car. It was like just it was uh, yeah. so like you you watch it on film, and then you watch these people explain it, and you're like, <laughs> how could you be so wrong? And they're like, certain they know, and it's oh just yeah. so bizarre. And
1: I think that's the root of every argument every couple ever has. Is like I'm a hundred percent sure yeah. that this is what happened, and the other person's like,
2: There's well, literally no way, it's way it could have baffling that so much. Like, you know, criminal. Uh, like prosecution oh, yeah. is based on eyewitness, eyewitness testimony, testimony, which testimony is garbage. Ew.
1: <laughs> anyway, um, none of your memories are real. Sorry, everyone. Bobby Hawk and Andy and Frank arrest Chad for his criminal activities. I love that they intro it with like turkey and cheese, ham and cheese, or roast beef and cheese, and plain with cheese. cheese. And Who so it's
2: just cheese.
1: I love a cheese sandwich Yeah right, that's want. right I mean that's Also
2: curly. it's gotta be like A toasted panini or something Like a right. cold cheese sandwich Probably wouldn't oh, be I great. My, Unless it's I... like good cheese Unless it's like
1: mm, a oh. br-
2: Like a brie And you know Like
1: <laughs> Au contraire My favorite snack growing up Was white wonder bread American cheese slices And yellow mustard
2: Yeah that's not a good sandwich It
1: was delicious Yeah when I you were right nine now. You... I would eat it right now
2: Well and Maybe then you don't remember I... it right <laughs> Fuck you
1: um, so they, uh, throw Chad in jail and he does the thing of like, what's this about? Even though he's like, it's so funny when people like get caught. And the and it's it's like, they whoa. don't even
2: tell him because it's, it's about so much shit.
1: Yeah. We know. should have done this a I think they literally ago. said like, you know what you did.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then when they're pulling them away, Bobby gives the best, shut up. Oh, it's I so good. do
1: love when grown men say shut up for some reason. Like, but like in a so way that's like, like oh, for
2: the love of God, we've already up. got you. You're not getting like, fuck you, dude. Just shut up.
1: Uh, and so then those guys, so we have Bobby Hawk, Andy, and Frank. Um, they head into the woods. Bobby's leading them to a place called Jackrabbit's Palace, which is essentially a... Like a very tall stump, like Mm -hmm. a dead stump of a tree,
2: which we saw. We did see. So this O'Lali State Park.
1: So this whole scene. We told the story about uh, maybe two weeks ago about how Sabrina Sutherland brought Mm -hmm. us on the tour. That's where all of this took place. This was the catalyst of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: It's already starting to fall apart a little bit. It's a shame. mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's a dead tree. It's gonna happen, but but like so that yeah. So they're walking in a lot of like dissolves and a lot of cuts. So like they're walking for a while You're Right. they pack a lunch mm-hmm. they this isn't just like oh we're gonna like they're going deep into the woods mm-hmm. like this is a a day's adventure seemingly they picked up these things like they're leaving and two three hours later they're getting to where they're going right like this is they set this up like this is taking a while
1: right so they um hawk tells them so they get to jack rabbit's palace and then they have to keep going based on these instructions that they got from mm-hmm. um uh, from from the slip Major bricks.
2: yeah, from the slip of paper from the Major Briggs metal pipe thing. Right.
1: Um. So Hawk is, but as soon as they head out, Hawk instructs them to put soil in their pockets. Which I don't know. Does that mean anything to you? That was in
2: the instructions.
1: Oh, so it does.
2: Yeah. It, you have to go meet at this place, put some soil in your pocket, and then you go 253 okay, yards. I missed that in in this direction at mm-hmm. this particular time. So they get fifty three again.
1: Yeah. So they get to a foggy clearing, which
2: we've seen is the time that like portals open or mm-hmm. some shit because that's when like Cooper came out mm-hmm. and when um, Mr. C was tr- they were trying to bring Mr. C back in and mm-hmm. he withheld or whatever. Like, so something is important about that particular time.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the number to see if I can like establish. Anything. It equals but ten. Oh, I was gonna say
2: that's a thing. Lynch 2 plus likes, two equals five. Yeah, and and. That's the number of completion. They kind of reference that later in the series, but okay. seemingly it's, te- I think it's just that it means 10, mm-hmm. which is a good strong number sure. kind of thing.
1: So 10 is often considered a magical number. There's certain numbers that have certain like magic powers. Seven is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, three is a magical number. Anyway, um, so Frank, so they see, they get to this foggy clearing and they find this, Nude, eyeless woman. So she's this very slender woman with mm-hmm. dark hair, and her eyes are covered. Like there's no eye holes or eye divots. Yeah, it's and protruding. are like yeah, almost, almost like slices mm-hmm. a little bit. She's laying there naked. And this is the
2: woman we. This is the woman we saw at the beginning, right? Of when Cooper was walking around,
1: and she makes that terrible noise that I hate. Yeah. Um. So Frank tells everyone at this point it's two fifty three. A portal starts forming above them yeah,
2: there, And there's there's a little sycamore tree Similar oh, to Glastonbury Grove There's the white, there's the circle And it's like a white oil this time Rather than uh-huh. the Glastonbury Grove one Which is the black oil, mm-hmm. the scorched engine oil mm-hmm. Um, I would think that That suggests that Glastonbury Grove Is a portal to the Black Lodge And this is a portal to the White, white Lodge, Lodge? Sure. Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know but, or they
1: just ran out of black dye.
2: Yeah, but like, yeah, there's there's behind the scenes stuff with David Lynch like going in and making that because it's got to be exactly right. Like just bizarre shit. But like, yeah. And then it's so weird because like th- there's like flickering of light mm-hmm. and it it's really bright in a way that makes this look like a sound stage. But I know for a fact that it's We've not because I've seen there. this location and I can match it like tree for tree. Uh-huh. Like... It's so bus- it it's so sin. bizarre. It's, like,
1: I, I think the sort of fog doesn't help anything. Yeah, I feel like, and like fog the way, makes anything. Whenever they a like high school blast the light,
2: it lights everything up really bright. Yeah. Because that's unnatural. You've never seen a forest with mm-hmm. that well lit. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> whenever I see fog like that, aside from just relating really it back to every high school play, um, reminds me of the new Pet Cemetery movie. Which was uh, that was forgettable. Oh, I don't so remember forgettable. But it that. just genuinely looked like they're on a sound stage and the way oh. they covered it up was just like a thick layer, like a knee deep layer of fog, <laughs> and it looked like shit. it looks really? like the Phantom of the Opera of like when they're like I don't
2: even remember yeah.
1: rowing around the stage in his in his boat. Um. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so portal forms above them, and this is a, a similar looking portal to what Cole said. Yeah, saw. it's.
2: The image kind of swirls and turns into mm-hmm. a hole. And again,
1: it kind of looks like It looks like... You shitty... know those
2: spin art things? Did you ever have those uh-huh. as a kid? Yeah, yeah, It looks like that.
1: But it feels like another kind of shitty Photoshop effect. Yeah. Which yeah. is, for whatever reason, his preferred form. Um, so Andy walks up to the woman. She takes his hand and is transported into, I guess, this portal.
2: Well, that's what's weird is that he... He just disappears from a foreshot of all of the guys. Mm -hmm. You don't see him get like sucked in. Yeah. You don't see him move. He just like, he doesn't dissolve or fade away. He just Mm -hmm. isn't there. Mm -hmm. And then you see him kind of back into his seat Mm -hmm. in this location opposite the fireman.
1: Yeah. So we, whatever uh, this
2: location is, technically.
1: So then we're in this room with. The giant who calls himself the fireman.
2: Yeah, this is the first... And it's, like, capitalized. Like, mm-hmm. like this is his name. Does this mean... Because,
1: again, this is all backwards talk, so we get sure. our closed captioning. So,
2: is this... Has the giant that we know always been the fireman? I don't know. Or is... Yeah, I don't know. Is this a different character? Because we also, mm-hmm. like... Earlier, we talked about that. He's credited as question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, or whatever.
1: Oh, was he credited as the fireman this time? And now
2: he's credited as the fireman. Oh,
1: interessante.
2: So, yeah, who so is this guy? What does that mean? Yeah, exactly. That's Here's the thing I noticed. <laughs> Don't have an answer for you. That's where the regular people part comes into this podcast. All
1: right. uh, so, Andy's holding a smoking apparatus is how it describes it here.
2: Not like a smoking apparatus as like, like a An apparatus that is smoking. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah it's not a one hitter. Um and the the smoke is like drifting upwards or reverse drifting downwards. and yeah. it's weird. Um so he looks straight up. And I feel like we get a lot of these shots of people like looking straight up. The only like, other one I can think of at the top of my dome is Oh, is it
2: Becky in yeah. the car.
1: I know it just felt very familiar yeah. to see him yeah. like
2: yeah, and it's interesting seeing like Andy be the person who is this. This was like, a
1: very surprising choice. Well, I thought
2: Andy throughout the series has stumbled onto some really important stuff, kind of accidentally.
1: Okay, I'm listening.
2: Like, and I think I like that. Like, it's a it's an example again of like Andy just was in the right place at the right time. Like. Because you see him be kind of dumb and whatever so frequently.
1: Yeah, this is kind of a redemption moment for him. Yeah, a it's a, it's a, like
2: he's had a few, like, it's a lot, like, we talk about that with, like, The Office and, like, Michael Scott being like, how the fuck does this guy still have a job? Sure, he's sure. terrible. And then five or six times throughout the series, you see him like, shit, he's really good at this. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows how to do this. And, like, this is just another one of those moments that reminds you that, like, Andy's not just an idiot mm-hmm.
0: yeah. who's
2: all oh, punky we can get the red chair mm-hmm. like it's he's actually still a lawman mm-hmm. and he's good at it mm-hmm. and he something weird happens and he takes it in and takes notice and i i think that's important
1: yeah absolutely um so as uh, a series of scenes flashes in the ceiling, and so I don't even know if it's—I don't call it a ceiling. It's almost like this, like round screen.
2: Yeah, but it's 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 the ceiling has like these like. It looks like a frame. It looks like a round picture frame,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I think there's light underneath that frame that shines up at the dome, and then the dome kind of reflects down.
0: Like oh. it's it's an
2: ornate lighting for the room, but the. That dome area is white, mm-hmm. and you can see like cracking paint in a couple yeah, of spots. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's, it's, it's got a texture. Yeah, it's a ceiling piece, and I think it's a basically a light reflector mm-hmm. for the room.
1: Um. So a series of scenes flash in the ceiling. Uh, we see a white figure regurgitating Bob.
2: We yeah. So we see mostly a bunch of stuff that we've seen. Mm-hmm. This is the what we've come to call the experiment. We see Bob in that. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the flickering convenience store, mm-hmm. choppy imagery. Then we see got light, right? But we see not like we see just him. He's not in the car window. This is like a weird like press junket. Yeah, looking it, it thing.
1: looks like a test shot. For, yeah, like, it's, uh, makeup test
2: exactly. And he does this like right to camera. It's mm-hmm. so we've never seen that before, right? Um, there's a shot that we don't see of power lines, like, driving along the highway, mm-hmm. sort of, and, like, scooting along along the power lines from a, a low angle. We've never seen that before.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And We see him putting Lucy into a particular location, like, grabbing her kind of by the shoulders, guiding her, and, and like here is the spot mm-hmm. we see her putting her see him putting her in a location
1: so is andy putting yes okay
2: and then we see again straight to camera almost like a press junket <laughs> mr c and dale cooper as we know them and we see them split apart from right. each other as though they're two separate entities right and those are straight to camera slash ceiling mm-hmm. Uh, what other shots are in there? Did they say them all?
1: Um, yeah, so... The, wit- the rest
2: are all ones I think we've seen at Woodsman, some point in this year. a high
1: school girl screaming.
2: Oh, that's... Yeah, that's the girl from... Um, that you see out out the window from the pilot. Mm. Running off... Like, when we've... Yes, bo- yes, yes, yes. When yes. the students don't know Before, Laura's... De- yeah. When
1: you say the pilot, the pilot of Twin Peaks, right. right? This, the first episode. Yeah. Um, uh, we see the Laura with the same mm-hmm. homecoming photo homecoming we've seen many times. Yeah. Uh, angels.
2: Those are the angels of fire. Walk with me over her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: The eyeless woman. Uh, two, which Coop- is
2: the yeah the sh- the shot we just mm-hmm. just experienced.
1: Uh, two Coopers, a telephone, um, himself and Lucy. And oh, a the that's role.
2: right, the telephone. So we see not the telephone, not a telephone. Do we? Do we see a telephone? That's what it says. I think they mean the telephone, the number six telephone pole. So we see three shots of the number six telephone pole, like at slightly different distances. That's
1: right. The number six we see locked in a lot.
2: And we see what the, fuck that the number six telephone pole. Because it's this is the same telephone pole that was in Fire Walk with me at the trailer park. Um, but we see this number six telephone pole three times. Mm-hmm. As if to say 666. Oh, okay. That might may or may not be anything. Um, it also might just be that anything that you repeat, repeating in threes is you it's, know and what it's another magical to, number yeah um yeah so it's I, but it's just a and he doesn't seem again it's, it's interesting because Andy reacts the same way Cooper does in this scenario mm-hmm. where like all of this weird stuff is coming at him and he's just stone faced like taking it all in like yes I like it's very much like a just like download of information mm-hmm like it's, I'm not. I don't have questions. I don't look confused. Mm-hmm. I don't look scared. I don't look excited. I just am taking it all in. Yeah, the like way when you're supposed getting
1: instructions to. for like uh-huh. mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. game you're mm-hmm. playing, or a course you have to do like yeah, all right, okay, all right,
2: okay. Yeah, and it, and just takes it all in. Right. And uh, and seems to understand it,
1: maybe, or doesn't seem troubled by
2: it. Sure, sure. Yeah, you saw some weird shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, So the apparatus in his hands disappears, um, and he's transported back to the woods. He appears back at Jackrabbit's place, where the other lawmen wait. So this means... Oh, okay, because it was only like 300 yards from Jackrabbit's palace to wherever they were. Yeah, 253
2: yards from wherever they left. So they're back at Jackrabbit's place. And you also see those multiple shots overlaid on top of each other, where it looks like there's two Bobbies and two, like, whatever. Like, they're all kind of intersecting and then they all kind of come together into one shot, which Mm -hmm. to me, again, feels like another moment of split timelines.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're all basically the same timeline. Everything's they're all in the same place, so Mm -hmm. this makes sense, but they're not exactly the same. He paced this way this time and that Mm -hmm. way that this time, but they're all basically the same and then they all come together and... And it comes out with a purpose. Mm -hmm. He's He's carrying carrying this
1: woman. He's wrapped her in his jacket. jacket. We Uh, have
2: to go. There's people who want her dead. She's important. She's very important. Let's bring her to the sheriff's station. We can Mm -hmm. put her in a cell where we can keep an eye on her and keep Mm -hmm. her safe. Mm -hmm. But we have to go now. And everyone kind of just goes, okay.
1: And And then that's
2: when Truman looks at Hawk to be like, what happened? i know something happened how did we get here i don't remember Mm -hmm. and hawk doesn't remember either which is another example of this forgetful memory Mm -hmm. or losing time it seems like losing your memory or losing time is a probably like you said a better way to say it Mm -hmm. is a byproduct of interdimensional travel or whatever this thing is
1: and ostensibly they didn't go anywhere just by witnessing whatever happened to Andy. Or they did. Or they and
2: did. we didn't see it. Yeah. God. Like, we saw. Andy, dare David Lynch. We saw Andy disappear. These guys might have all gone somewhere too but uh, don't we remember. We out, don't know. We just hung out for a minute. Yeah.
1: Um, so Andy and Lucy helped settle this woman in the, the jail cell. She's wearing some jammies that uh that Lucy had in the thing. From the could,
2: time that the dog got loose and the <laughs> Do you remember that, Andy? Yeah,
1: very cute. Yes,
2: I do, Punky.
1: <laughs> um, Chad is also in... I love that...
2: <laughs> He's in cell number 10 again, for whatever that's worth.
1: It's also such a fucking flex to throw him in jail and then, like, fuck off for a few hours. <laughs> like, cool down there, nerd. Mm-hmm, we'll see you mm-hmm, never. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chad is yelling insults. Andy and Lucy leave. The woman starts making noise. Yeah, um, really- there is a. Oh, you know what? We skipped right it's over really- when um, when David Lynch is in that hotel room and he sees the silhouette of the window cleaner, oh, and it's yeah. making that same noise.
2: It's a similar noise, yeah, like the choppy, squeaky. Yeah, and he cranks yeah. his his, yeah, the receiver down. Um,
1: um, and then we also so we have this woman making noises, Chad just being angry, and then this drunk man who's drooling and bleeding and it
2: doesn't even look like blood it, it's like a it's just, just i, I like find it very distressing yeah, to I, look at I and
1: here um so that's happening it's just
2: like dripping like his brown Ugh. gross shit on the the floor of the cell yeah, like and he's just repeating everybody mm-hmm. but in like a fucking a
1: lot ducky jones kind of not as yeah pointed I, but in the same like he just says words portions
2: that of the mm-hmm. sentence that you just said yeah, like a parrot right um yeah, it's the here's the here's what I think I like. There's something about this scene that I love, which is like it's it's almost an indicator scene of everything kind of coming together. Like when you talk about Twin Peaks as a whole, what are the things you like? Oh, I like that it's quirky and weird. I like that there's these cool supernatural elements. Oh, I like that it's a cop story. Mm-hmm oh, I like that it's dark and twisted. All of these things kind of come together in this scene. You've got, you know, oh, the the goofy Lucy yeah. being silly. Then you got the otherworldly supernatural thing in the eyeless woman. Mm-hmm. Then you've got a cop in the jail cell. Then you've got this dark, disturbing, twisted man mm-hmm. repeating shit. Like, it's all kind of like everything is converging on the same way the story is all converging into shit's going to go down uh-huh. in Twin Peaks, uh-huh. like all Buckhorn, all of Las Vegas, all of these places, New York, are all leading to That's Twin, Twin Peaks, Peaks, Washington. All roads lead to Twin and Peaks. And this scene is kind of a like a, a preface for that, almost like a all of the elements we love about Twin Peaks come together in mm-hmm. this one scene and clash with each other, which I think is what. I find kind of interesting about it. Yeah,
1: it's very jarring. To yeah, watch. it's
2: all the things we love about Twin Peaks are in this scene, and it doesn't work uh-uh, it's because upsetting. you because you have to go seamlessly seamlessly yeah. between them, throwing them all into one scene is fucking weird and mm. harsh and brutal, mm-hmm. and I don't like it. But I feel like that's kind of what this scene represents to me. It's mm-hmm. all of Twin Peaks mashed together in this way that isn't effective. Right. I don't know.
1: Um, so then we cut to, I guess, the back of the Great Northern, like the loading dock of the Great Northern. Yeah. Um,
2: They're apparently waiting for some delivery. That sounds like... <clears throat> um, Freddie says that at some point. They're, like, waiting for one more shipment. Then, yes, yes, then yes. we get to go off to the roadhouse. Yeah.
1: Um, so, they, uh, so James and Freddie are sitting on this loading dock. So this is James Hurley. And then mm-hmm. Freddie, who we, like Mikey saw earlier, saw briefly. briefly in...
2: Which makes me wonder... Is that night that we saw them both walk into,
1: was it that, was it night? the
2: same night <gasps> or did they just go to the roadhouse together after work all the time?
1: Yeah. Or, and but both it, things could be true.
2: They both could be true. But also like if they go to the roadhouse together after work a lot, they seem to not know very much about sure. each other.
1: That's a good point. You know, like. Yeah. Especially considering one of them wears a green yeah, rubber glove so all you the really, time. And the,
2: like the only thing he says, so you really can't take that off. Like,
1: well, and I guess he kind of says, "Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I'm not supposed to talk about it." And then he kind of is lulled into like because oh, of the
2: birthday and oh, I,
1: it's his birthday. Yeah, it's James's <laughs> birthday. They mentioned that like twelve Many times. Many have your turns,
2: um, but I'm curious about that too because I never I I think about it during the scene and then I forget about it. But if I watch Twin Peaks again, is James's birthday ever mentioned?
1: Oh, like prior to like this. Like what scene. date is this going to help us place? Like, if
2: you were to place this in time, would saying it's James's birthday be mm-hmm. significant? Because we learned in season one, episode six, that his birthday March. is in yeah. March or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. would is there any significance to it being his birthday, and mm-hmm. we don't know?
1: Um so Freddie it men- says that the glove is part of him, and that one time he tried to have it removed and it started bleeding mm-hmm.
2: so yeah he- like professionally like by a doctor yes. yeah uh
1: so James kind of presses him and so he tells a story that he apparently had told this doctor as well that he uh he was in London in the UK
2: mm-hmm.
1: um he was East End and, yep he was out partying with his buddies and kind of had a like what the fuck am I doing with my life moment which who among us <laughs> um, and he was transported with his mates just again oh, sorry. <laughs> he was transported into a void and encountered the fireman which we know as the giant
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, he told him that there was a if he went down to a hardware store down by his flat there would be a there would be a display or like a bunch mm-hmm. of gardening gloves one bag would be open the left glove is gone it only has this mm-hmm. green right glove and um buy
2: that take it home put it on
1: and then he tells this whole story about how it <laughs> which i love worth his jobsworth story which i really like i would call that i call that a petty tyrant of mm-hmm. like somebody who has a tiny bit of power and just wields it worthlessly oh yeah 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 um, but this guy was like, I can't sell this to you because it's only got one. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I will give you all of the money that you yeah. get. I just want this one glove. And the guy's, it's a whole thing, which, yes. Like, I get that very, I love how much he dwells on it. Of mm-hmm. like, we call him a Jobsworth. Now, don't do British accent, just you're an <laughs> idiot. Uh, God, I tried to do an Irish accent on um, God awful movies and it went poorly, as Ooh. you might you yeah. might imagine. Um So he... uh, How many
2: accents can we get in this show? We've got Serbian.
1: uh (laughs) English. End of list. (laughs) Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yeah.
2: Some sausage.
1: Uh, So he... This glove would give him immense, quote, pile-driving power. (laughs) Um, And then he was told to go to...
2: Twin Peaks, Twin Washington. Twin Peaks,
1: Washington, to find his <laughs> United destiny. United States of America. United States of America. I loved that when he went to book his ticket, a ticket had already been booked. I loved that little bit. I don't mm-hmm. know why that's such a perfect little,
2: like, like Lynchian thing yeah. of, like... Who? What? Who? Did he do that before? Did somebody do it for him? Loved it. Loved that bit. My question about this whole scene that doesn't sit right with me or whatever okay. is is Freddy's telling this story about the the giant told me go to this particular store buy this particular pack of gloves buy this one thing
0: Mm.
2: when has the fireman ever said anything that direct everything we've ever seen him say has been cryptic as fuck and it's been a clue and if you figure out the clues you'll get there and maybe just Mm. this was long enough ago that he figured it... Put it all he together. And then he's just, just telling head. the story differently. Sure.
1: Because memories are garbage. Or rubbish.
2: is this not the fireman? Hmm. Or is...
1: Or does I, the fireman take different forms? forms to different people. Forms. Right. Sure.
2: Like the way... I mean, the way he communicates with Andy. With or the way he communicates with Cooper.
1: He didn't even talk to Ed. He talks briefly to Andy.
2: To Andy um, because he... We, to Andy is when he says, I am the fireman or whatever, oh, and shit okay. like that. Um, but he doesn't give, like, he gives clues to Cooper. The, you know, the gum you like will come back in style and shit like that. He, it seems weird that he would tell you a specific store, go to Twin Peaks, Washington, mm-hmm. United States of America. Yes. like
1: He's literally never spoken a complete
2: sentence. Right, right. It's, it's very strange to me.
1: Yeah, like you would think it would be like, oh, he told me to find a place with two hills, right? You Ex- know, just something exactly.
2: And then vague. I and then I happened to stumble upon this article of this dead girl in this town. So I, I found out, oh, this might be the two oh, that could
1: have been interesting. If I found this article about twenty five years after this sure. girl died and sure. her father killed her and
2: something pulled him there, and I mm-hmm. felt like I needed to go or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like none of, none of it comes from a place of Freddie feeling. This felt like where I needed to go. This felt like what I needed to do. It was somebody told me to do this, and I said okay. Yeah,
1: that's a. Really and and it's
2: and no one and it sounds like the instructions the fireman gave him are in no uncertain terms. Right, you need to buy this pack of gloves. Right, that has this one glove in it still. Specifically, the right glove. Right, like it's not all just, of It's no. it's it's strange.
1: Mm-hmm. It is weird. Uh, James later enters the Great Northern Hotel's furnace room and hears the same whistling noise Ben and Beverly had discovered.
2: Right. Which is also the same noise that Pete seems to hear when he after Josie gets trapped in the desk drawer.
0: Mm. Mhm. It's okay. just
2: like a weird ringing noise. Sure. And then it and then it ends on a shot of a door, seemingly like this is where the noise is coming sure. from this, this room. But we don't see it.
1: Um, now we get to Mikey's favorite scene
2: uh, Oh this is so
1: good So Sarah Palmer uh, She walks into a bar That once again While not um, It's obviously not the roadhouse It has a very similar vibe to it In terms of the sign It has that same red this, neon with,
2: with the same thing as the, the Max Vaughn's, The bar mm-hmm. that we meet Diane in mm-hmm. Looks like the, the This is Elk's Some Does it say in there?
1: Um, it does not. Elks,
2: something maybe it's just Elks Bar or Elks Club or whatever. Number nine, mm-hmm. which that nine looks like a six. Is this the inverse of the number six pole somehow?
1: Oh, like is this
2: some type of under, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that, like, that's just something worth noting. Like even even like the neon bar sign on the window outside is for three one two, which is a local Chicago. Yeah, well, used to be no, it's basically <laughs> yeah, Budweiser. Yeah, exactly. They they got bought by Anheuser Busch 312 is a Goose Island ago. beer based out of Chicago. Right. Um, but it it's a you know three one two is a Chicago area code, so that's why it's called that. But there's a three one two thing. Also, it's one of those that I think they can put a three one two neon in the window, and it isn't copyright. I don't because, know.
1: That looked like how I've seen the logo of 312. It is. it
2: is, but I the thing is it's because it's neon, it can't be the exact copyright maybe. I don't know. But either Ooh, way, but it's also it. numbers. It, it seems, seems like I would
1: honestly suspect that that's just what was up on that bar. That could be. And that could be. they just either got permission or crossed their fingers and said nobody would care.
2: Sure. Um yeah, but she goes into this so Sarah goes into this bar and just looking like Sarah mm-hmm. just
1: and this is our first a time mess. we see her purposefully go into public to be in public, not to accomplish a task. So usually sure. when we've seen her go out, it's to get something and go back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time she is going but to... But again, s-
2: going to fucking drink.
1: Of course. Going going and and drink. And also
2: still wants to be alone.
1: Yes. Still drinking Bloody Mary's. Mm-hmm. Um, and a... Uh, so she sits at a bar. And this, like... This is what I love about David Lynch is that he is from Missoula and that this bar is what every Montana bar, like the bar I worked at, the bar I used to hang it's out at.
2: One long rail, mm-hmm. you you maybe have a pool table.
1: Yeah. We had a pool table. <laughs> I used to work at a bar. Fuck, what was it called? Um, it's not there anymore but they had a pool table and there wasn't really enough room for it. So. Of
2: course. Of <laughs> course. That's absolutely 100%. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, God, I wish it was in Darby. I genuinely can't place it. It's frustrating. Um, so there is a trucker sitting down the bar from her and we know he's a trucker because his shirt says... <laughs> Truck you. Fucking wordplay. But also it's like... It reminds me of Professor... Uh, not Professor. Captain Holt's slut shirt that we just saw in <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Where it's a pineapple with a thong on it. It's a sled. You should watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine if you don't. It's very good. But
2: what's weird is like, it's not even like, it's, it's like a really shitty, not, it's not a font. It looks like bad handwriting and it's like crooked. It looks like shit. Like, it looks professionally printed because mm-hmm. it's like silk screened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you didn't just write it on with a marker, but it looks like. It looks like he wrote truck you on a piece of paper and said, put this on my shirt.
1: He went to like Uncommon Goods or whatever. Yeah, it's
2: the same like kind of crooked, mm-hmm. like it's so strange.
1: Um, sorry if there was a little hiccup. Our pizza came very early and dogs made some noises. Yeah, it was like
2: lightning fast.
1: It's genuinely very suspicious that if we order <laughs> with enough time to be like, okay, we want it in an hour, so we're going to order plenty of time in an hour and it comes in 25 minutes. And for like, oh, I'm starving. It takes a yeah, year to and get I here. Have, Yeah. Anyway, um, so this guy, this creeper. I think
2: it also just. I mean, I guess it's dinner time. Like, a, whatever. Creeper guy.
1: So this trucker like sees her, moves over to sit next to her, and um, just I this scene makes I'm, me. I want
2: yeah, I want to hear you talk about this scene from a woman's perspective because. Yes, I know this is, like, a little bit, like, almost fantastical of, like, what a woman would like to do.
1: Oh, yes. When this kind
2: of shit happens, it's just, you know what? I just want to turn around and rip his fucking throat out with my teeth. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I get, like, I get that this is supposed to be cringy and creepy and awful and Mm -hmm. happens all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. I know all those things, but I also can't physically put myself in that position
1: sure um so the immediate urge of him to come move over and sit next to this woman is common um this scene the way he talks to her
2: Uh, here a thing i'll note too is like he's sitting in sorry just real quick like a uh like in the corners there's one bar stool in this one section of the bar before you get a a little break in the in the bars for the, to, bartenders, yeah, for yeah. the you know a box in and out of so there's that kind of a spot for one person and he's in my opinion is seemingly sitting there so he can sit with his back against the wall and see anybody who comes in
0: because
2: mm-hmm. i'm going to be that i'm just waiting for any woman to come into this bar a
1: hundred percent
2: and it's it's that in and of itself mm-hmm. is creepy that he's just sitting in this place just because he's waiting for someone well, to walk in
1: I mean I will say you you've never lived in a small town sure and the idea of I'm just gonna go to the local especially and and when I lived in Montana it was it wasn't pre cell phones it was 2008 but mm-hmm. it texting was not a regular like sure. a thing that a sure. lot of people did um, so the idea of I'm just gonna go to my local and my local watering hole or whatever. Mm-hmm and see who shows up and bullshit with them or bullshit with the bartenders. That to me is not surprising, especially if he's like actually a trucker on the road versus yeah. a, a And resident. I guess part
2: of it too is that's the last thing I want us to talk to fucking strangers.
1: Well, see, I, it's so funny.
2: That's, that's like, if I go to a bar, I don't want to, I, I don't go to bars by myself. Yeah. When I go. Well, Mikey I, and
1: I could not be more different in this, right. in this respect. I, the
2: last thing I want is, like, if I go to a bar by myself, it's because I've got shit to kill and i'm watching the fucking tv Mm -hmm.
1: it's just it's so funny how opposite we are in so many ways because to me if i'm in a bar like everyone is potentially my new best friend (laughs) i
2: don't i don't need any more of those
1: yeah (laughs) no mikey barely likes the friends he has (laughs) um so so this sort of like him coming over is obviously very creepy and like low-key predatory but the idea of like, oh, I'm just gonna to talk to this rando is not unusual, especially being and I'm the opposite. I do like going to bars alone, and I do like mm-hmm. bullshitting with random straight. It's one of the one of the reasons I miss uh, traveling. I used to have a job that I traveled but it, fairly. But it's a matter of read the work. room.
2: Like, does this person look like they're inviting oh, people to come percent. talk to them, or yeah. does this person look like they're staring at their drink, right. head down, and doesn't want to talk to oh, anybody?
1: Men generally do not pick up on those cues. Yeah, we're,
2: we're fucking awful.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Nightmares. I know. But he comes over and what I... Uh, David Lynch and Mark Frost either pay very strict attention to stories they've heard or they brought a woman in to explain, like, what this looks like because I when... Mean they have
2: Grace Brisky right there, like...
1: Yeah. No, that's a good point. But, but I'm talking in the writing room. Sure. Like, when they were writing this scene. Because the idea of him coming over and saying hi and her basically saying, like, go away. And him, his response of that's not very polite, is so good. It is such a perfect-
2: Exactly what- It's exactly what
1: happens. It's weaponizing women's need to be polite. Right. And that's exactly what it is, and that's- There's, you know, My Favorite Murder is a a podcast I really like, and one of their slogans is fuck politeness, because when you hear these stories time and time again of, oh, a man flags down a car, a man talks to you at the bar, a guy in a sling tries to get help to put his boat on his- on his thing which was classic Ted Bundy women are so deeply ingrained to be polite and not make waves
2: that uh, that just makes you more and more vulnerable exactly it allows you to get closer and it you know
1: right Um, so I I I agree this is a great
2: scene this I, I also like taking you know one step further to the next part where like I can do whatever I want this is a free country is a thing that like I never really thought about I've I said that a million times when I was a kid. Oh, of it's, course. It's it's, well, it's a free country. I can do whatever. And it made me realize like how frequently we said that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's how we get fucking insurrections at the Capitol.
0: It's percent. because
2: people don't understand right. what a free country means. Right. Like, well, it do doesn't you mean a free do whatever means- the fuck you want without consequence.
1: Well, it's also people being, like, the main character in their own story of, like, anything that happens happens to me personally and everybody else is like a side character. Um, but yeah, no, 100%. The idea of like, well, I can drop the N-bomb, I can harass women, I can carry a gun around because it's a free fucking country and I get to do whatever I want. That means there's no laws restricted to me. Um, yeah, it's, you're you're 12,000% right because it starts with right. this sense of entitlement mm-hmm. and it can be as small as I am at work and I'm on the phone with a guy and he just wants to bullshit and take up another 30 seconds of my time because he's bored and what I'm doing doesn't matter that kind of slight mm-hmm. uh, what's a word the slight <sighs> encroaching onto my time okay encroachment I guess yeah. is what I would say of like you're not doing anything you can talk to me for you another 30 football, seconds that's a penalty Christ
2: um but it's no, those this, little yeah. things yeah.
1: to, I'm obligated to have sex with somebody even if they don't want to have sex with me. And it
2: seems like it's not, like, he doesn't even necessarily want, like, she doesn't walk in and he's like, oh, hell, oh. No, he
1: just wants her attention. He.
2: It's just the, the fact that he said hi and she didn't immediately fawn after him. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just, it, and then immediately goes on the, what's fucked up is that because she doesn't immediately give him attention, which means he goes on the defensive. Immediately. But his defensive is attack.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: His defensive is double up offense. Yeah. And that's what's fucked up.
1: Well, and that's what you... Like, when I do my, like, railings against against white dudes, um, yeah. I get... Especially, it happens a lot of my, my other podcasts, Friendly Atheists, which is more of a current events type thing. And people write into me pretty upset when I talk about this idea of like fucking white men are a plague in a lot of ways. And a lot of that comes down to little, seemingly small incidences like this. That Sarah Palmer went, went,
2: <sighs> may or may not be a literal demon. Right. So, But still. So
1: pick your targets carefully. Um, <clears throat> but this seemingly small encroachment onto her space and her time and her, how she wants to live her life Mm -hmm. is unimportant to him Mm -hmm. because he wants this different thing. And And it
2: doesn't even care what he wants. It isn't even about like you not wanting this goes against what I want because he doesn't even seem to want anything.
1: Yeah.
2: It's just,
1: he just decided he wants attention and she's not giving it to him Mm -hmm. and he's mad about that. Um, I would love to tell one of my favorite anecdotes that um, when I was in Houston in 2018, I was there for a a conference um, at the place I worked at the time. And like I have said, one of my favorite things in the whole wide world is to go to a bar where I don't really know anybody and sit and read at the bar. Mm -hmm. Because worst case scenario is I get an okay glass of wine and I get to read for a little while where without without feeling obligated to do other things. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if I'm at home and I'm reading, I'm like, oh, should I be doing XYZ instead? So I like the idea of I'm going to this bar and all I'm gonna all I have to
2: do is And I, I it, maybe it's just me, but and I don't read that often, but like I can't read well like laying on the couch and shit. Like I oh. have to sit up and like read proper. Mm. Like I can't hold a book well there is- and read it. So like sitting in a bar I feel like would be the the only thing that I like about that is like Oh, I'm sitting and I'm reading. It's on a table in front of me like
1: And there is a reason I prefer after I, a long time hold out. I prefer e-readers at this point sure. because it does make it easier to lay on my side in the couch or read in bed mm. when you're when you're trying to sleep.
2: Yeah.
1: Um but anyway, so I went it, oh boy, I don't even know what place it, what hotel it was in Houston, but it was like a hotel conference center. All I remember is they had a uh, a pool in the shape of Texas, like a uh not a wave pool but a uh lazy river yeah
2: i know <laughs> i kn- and i Texas. know you're i know the one you're talking kn- it's the um
1: it might be a hyatt it doesn't matter
2: i think it's the hilton
1: mm, that could be right but anyway so I, I think it's the
2: hilton but i know i've seen that like yeah my sister stayed there for a bluebeam thing before Yeah, and you probably saw Oops, it when i was working I on said my company <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, and you probably saw when I was working on, like, marketing stuff. I had it. Yeah. That picture was everywhere. Anyway, so I, I went in. I was reading at the time um, The Haunting of Hill House. Okay. Um. It was for a book club. It's for Lee and Amanda. And so I was just in the bar reading and had a glass of wine. I think I must have had dinner already. And it was probably 9 o'clock at night. I had to be up at, you know, 8 the next day, 7 the next day, and... I just wanted some decompression time, so I so I go sit at this bar. It's a it's a Mexican restaurant. Another part of the story that's important is that the Houston Astros had
2: just cheated and won the World Series.
1: They hadn't won the World Series, but they were presently cheating and <laughs> uh, and had won, had were going to the World Series or something. It yeah. would it would have been like early mid October. And actually,
2: that that was their biggest cheat. Would have been the Dodger series. Like that's when they.
1: Yes, I like, think it was yeah. the Dodgers. So I'm sitting, I ended up sitting next to this guy who's maybe a little, you so saw I'm 35. I was 33, 32 at the time. He's probably his late 20s. Um, and I was sitting, I, and I, and to be, like, when I sit and read, I'm reading because that's something I enjoy to do. If somebody wants to talk to me, I will be here. Like, I will talk to anybody. Like, just, that's all I want to do is, like, talk mm. to random people. Um, So I was sitting there reading, and... And I don't know if this is just being a woman or just how I live my life, but you're just kind of aware of who's, even if you're reading, you've got like your peripheral vision unlock, And so I could see this guy sitting immediately to my left at a very crowded bar. So it's Mm -hmm. not like Mm -hmm. he was encroaching on my, I've said encroaching so many times. Um, He's, he had, he was sitting down next to me already. It was the only open stool. And I could see him like kind of glancing over at me like, oh, this guy wants to chat, which is fine, but I just got a vibe. And so he was like, Um, oh, can I ask why you <laughs> why you go in public and read or whatever? And I was like, and I said what I said to you. I really like reading and I like wine. And if, so, and if I want to talk to somebody, that's great. If not, this is just a thing I like to do.
2: It reminds me of uh, the, there's a famous Bill Hicks stand-up comic thing uh-huh. where he talks about like- I did not know you had Bill Hicks was up at, to quote. I was in a Waffle House and he's like, Someone turns around and looks at me. and Goes, "What you reading for?" <laughs> Not what are you reading, but what are you reading for?
1: Yeah, it did feel pretty accusatory. Yeah, of like,
2: who yeah. gives a shit? Yeah, why is it
1: any of your fucking business? Um, and so we, I kind of start bolting with him. <clears throat> he was in head to toe Astros gear. Uh, as the conversation went on, it was obvious he had been like drinking beer at, at the ballpark sure. and it's eight o'clock. So like he wasn't like sh- sloppy shit face, but like drunk. Um, and so we started talking about baseball, which is a fraught topic. If you're a human woman who has any opinions about baseball, because all you're going to get from a random dude is why you're wrong.
2: And a name you can't I bet. You can't even name. Oh
1: boy. I haven't gotten that in a, ho- I haven't gotten that since college. The can you even name this? Like, I haven't gotten that in a minute, but there's definitely a a, uh, a very obvious testing of, does
2: this bitch sure. know what she's talking about? And the answer is always no. Yeah, no re, matter re, what I said. His conclusion yeah, was, if
1: I was Joe Maddon sitting at the bar, but a woman, he would have been like, this cunt doesn't know what like, she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, like,
2: it's, like, he can't, like, because he wants to prove that you know your shit, but then you, know, you can't know more than me mm. and then it, uh,
1: I mean that's a tightrope that women yeah, walk oh, I know of yeah. like you have to be smart enough to engage in conversation with me by my judgment me as the random white guy but you cannot be smarter than me right. because that's and attacking I there's and 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 one of my yes.
2: all time favorite things I've ever seen have you ever seen that photo it's Typically, it's been it, whoever posted it, posted it with the caption of is it the statue, um, Siri show me fragile masculinity, and it's a sideline. Yes. I don't remember who the player is.
1: Apparently, the player is actually a good dude, so yeah. it's not a great,
2: but it's still he's standing he's on a, f- on they, a somebody flipped over a bucket, like a bubblegum bucket that they have in the clubhouse. And he's standing on the bucket so that he's about a foot taller than the female reporter who's who's interviewing him. Who's on the tall s-
1: and wearing heels? Yeah,
2: and who's interviewing him on the sideline because he has to look taller than her mm-hmm. in the shot that's chested. Right. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Oh, we'll it's, find that picture. Of whatever, course. But.
1: Um, so anyway, so it turns out this guy is like super into baseball, and he has a blog about baseball mm-hmm. stadiums. Um, <laughs> God, this wonder is- how he
2: feels about how his team cheated that year.
1: I would love to hear. And I also found out later, like toward the end, he dropped, that he was a law student at Emory. And I was like, this is all coming together. Like white dudes who are in law school are probably the worst of the worst. Not even lawyers, just guys in law school. Um, Anyway, so he's talking to me. So we're talking about Baseball and mm-hmm. specifically the Cubs because I'm I'm a Cubs fan and I am not a like Mikey and I have a friend who is like encyclopedics, encyclopedia oh, yeah, like of all
2: sports, of ever, all sports, he, and the
1: Oscars, and yeah,
2: etc. He's just got a head for that, yeah.
1: Shit. Um, and so we're talking and we he talked about I, I must have mentioned that, that we were going on this road trip, but he was talking about how recently Wrigley, Wrigley Field had undergone a huge uh, renovation it's still ongoing it's still 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 ongoing ongoing. Um, and so he starts explaining to me a person who I don't
2: Mm -hmm. explaining at me explaining
1: at me and understand like I am not the world's biggest baseball fan not the world's biggest Cubs fan I don't remember my first Cubs game I've been going since I was a toddler Uh, my dad had seats in the same place that we still get to go to Mm -hmm. once in a while that he's owned since the 80s I have my dad is like diehard like the I I am not religious the cups were a religion to me of like this is the thing we have a strong opinion about so he starts telling me about how bad the Wrigley Field renovations was because he's like they haven't changed anything since it was built. And I was like, that's absolutely not true. In fact, in the 1980s, they famously put up lights so they could do night games for the first time and people lost their mind. And mm-hmm. he's like, mm, no. And I was like...
2: <laughs> Wait, this guy has a baseball blog? And he doesn't know about...
1: He's a baseball stadium blog.
2: <laughs> baseball... St- that's even worse.
1: And so <laughs> I, I don't know what we were talking about because we hadn't gone on a road trip yet. So I hadn't been to as yeah, many... 88888.
2: 8888 like that's what? when the the, the day this, the lights went oh is that it 8, 8, 888 888? oh i didn't know that and then, and then but i got, knew it was the 80s and then it got rained out so they ended up having to be 8 988 was the first completed game they played like three innings and then it rained out and then they had to play the next day
1: um and so so he's just explaining to me like oh my god they haven't done anything to to wrigley field since it was built and i was like well that's not true <laughs> i have been there in the last like two months i'm telling you right now and he kept telling me like, if you would just read my blog, and I was like, dude, this is not working. Wow. But my favorite part is like, oh, it's a real like, he was bragging. Oh, because he, I must have told him I was a writer or whatever, and he was like, it's. Like, if you just Google, (laughs) I forgot about this. If you just Google, like, baseball stadiums, my blog is, like, one of the first things that comes up. And me, at that time, was a marketing professional. I was like, great, I have this phone in front of me. Beep bop boop. I'm Googling baseball stadium blog. Are you MLB.com? Is that you, sir? And he's like, well, you can't just Google that. I was like, I don't know, you just told me. (laughs) And this is... Me being very ornery at him was sure. after 20 minutes of him talking at yeah.
2: me. So and he clearly sounds like he doesn't even know what he's talking about. Yeah. like,
1: And even if he did,
2: he's a dick about it, so who cares? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just, like, that to me is one of the biggest insults. It's just like, fuck, fuck you for criticizing my fandom of anything.
1: Yes, the gatekeeping is fuck is that. Horrible man. and especially very bad for women. Oh, I can't. Yeah. Sports is terrible. Movies
2: are Honestly, terrible. that's one Comic of the things books. I wanted to do with this is like
1: non-toxic fandoms.
2: Yeah, and I don't think I I'm not familiar with, you know, certain like uh, Twin Peaks podcasts that are toxic or anything. And I think that's one of the things I love about the fandom. Yeah, I don't of Twin think in I, general.
1: Yeah, I think that like, Twin Peaks. I don't
2: want to I want I don't want to isolate anybody. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of having like anybody can listen to this whether you've even seen the show. Mm-hmm. Like I just Come on.
1: I want to c- bring
2: I, if I can bring more people in, fuck something, yes.
1: Something being exclusive or for a small group of people does not necessitate that it's better. Right. It just means it's more exclusive. And like, yeah, the shit of David Lynch is hard to get on board for. It's weird. Right. And if somebody if I know, can bring
2: people in on that. Hell yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the the, the story <laughs> the story ends with him kind of like he's getting hot on the collar because i was really not taking any of his bullshit like i just Mm -hmm. i was tired i was drained i was dealing with neurosurgeons all day who are not especially kind Mm -hmm. um and (laughs) he starts telling me about how he's gonna get into like restaurants something 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 and we're sitting at the bar, and he's like, "Who is this
2: baseball writer, blog, law student getting into restaurants?" Who it's the a fuck g- is this guy?
1: It's a guy who needs to be smarter than me. It's a guy I've met many times before. Of no matter what I do or say, he's going to one up me, There's and this so is not so unusual. Um, and so he, so he starts doing this thing of like all these people sitting around, and this is a. Hacked hotel restaurant bar thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All these people, they don't understand what they like in a restaurant. And I do. So I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And I, I probably had as much wine left as I have now. So like half a glass. <laughs> and it was my first glass. Um, and he, and I was like, huh, well, it must be really exhausting being the smartest guy in the room and having to talk to us idiots. And he's like, whoa, you know. And as he said that, I did the thing to the bartender of like, I want to get my check. And so as the bartender drops it off, and I'm just like, I'm engaged with this guy, but very much like not taking any of his Mm -hmm. bullshit. Like, oh, because the other thing is he was telling me how the new Jumbotron in Wrigley Field was blocking seats, like blocking the view from seats. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's absolutely not true. I have been there. I can tell you where it is. It's not blocking any seats. Like, no, it totally is. And I was like, do you want me to throw- It blocks rooftops. There it is, and as soon as I said, "Are you talking about rooftop?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "I don't give a shit." A, I don't give a shit. Yeah, th- B. Those are that's not what you unsanctioned were sanctioned anyway. Yeah, that's not what you were saying. So I don't know what you're doing yeah. here. Uh, and so it was just a guy... it wasn't heated. It was just me getting over mm-hmm. his bullshit. And so he, <laughs> and so I got the check, and the guy's like, "What? What are you leaving?" And I was like, "Yes." And he's like, "Oh, how, cause of me?" And I said. Yes. Didn't help. <laughs> no, no. I said yes. He's like, what? And I said, you have been just sitting here and telling me that everything I have said or thought is wrong, and you're not a fun person to hang out with. So I'm le- I like locked him in the eyes and said to him, I am leaving because you're not fun to hang out with. You're rude. But he knows to what me. people
2: in restaurants want. So and
1: he felt clearly, you don't like. I. It was like he was suddenly like drowning and treading water. He's like, "What? No. Well, let me buy your drink. Let me buy you another drink. Like he wanted me to stay so he can continue telling me how dumb I was,
2: or whatever. It's it's the way like.
0: Well, he found sh- an audience.
2: Shitty white men are don't have any problem being racist they have a problem being called racist correct it's it's all about how it affects me mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. this guy is i don't have a problem being an asshole but don't call me an asshole
1: right exactly exactly it's um, the
2: same yeah
1: so anyway i left and i literally it was all within the hotel and i literally walked across the lobby and found a different bar that had a seat <laughs> nice. open and got a drink there um and nice. it just his horror of being told to his face like no you're being an asshole to me and not even that he was being mean to like he wasn't being insult like he wasn't saying insulting words but he just felt extremely comfortable to second guess anything and everything I said
2: baseball I think is one of those things that uh, draws out those people and I think the same way and I'm gonna tie this back a little bit the way we talk about like a free country Mm -hmm. is a thing we've all said a million times We talk about baseball being America's pastime. And so every fucking rule change that ever gets imposed, everyone's like, you're just, you're disgracing the game. You can't, I'm like, there's rule changes every year. The designated hitter was introduced in the Mm seventies. That's not that long. Like they talk about like, well,
1: it's the same shit. Like you
2: used to be able to throw it baseball at the guy to get him out. Mm -hmm. You used to be able to (laughs) steal third from first if you could make it. Like these are rules that, Like, you could catch the ball on a bounce, and it was out. Oh, really? Back in, like, the 1800s (laughs) and shit. But, like, it's, you perfect the game. As the game advances, you tweak the rules to, to make it fit. Like, the fact that people are so, like, up in arms about, like, ruining the sanctity of whatever is... It just allows people to stand on a soapbox. Mm-hmm. And that's these shitty people who do that and are the same people who...
1: And it's the same people who say, oh, you take down this this statue of General Lee mm-hmm. and, oh, it's ruining our culture. Well, but that went up in the 50s. It's not like that went yeah. up during the Civil War. Right. It went up literally to intimidate black people. So, yeah, 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 yeah. it's... it's Making
2: it, a Ghostbusters movie with women is not ruining your fucking childhood, people. <sighs>
1: <clears throat> anyway
2: but the, but the point being all of this shit that we've just talked about is underlying this entire mm-hmm. scene mm-hmm. all of it is in there of it's not her, in the script it's not in the dialogue it's not but it's all fucking mm-hmm. in there
1: and her being exceedingly polite yeah I don't want to talk to you I just want to be here by myself please can you go back to where can you go back to where you were sitting before not go away yeah can you just please be out right. of my space? Um, and he gets more and more angry, more and more. And this is, again, when we talk about fuck politeness and when we talk about when dudes do that, well, not all men or whatever, but when you say all men are monsters, I if a strange man comes up to me in a bar and talks to me, chances are he's a perfectly nice guy.
2: I would disagree with that, but well, sure.
1: Chances are he's a non murdering monster. Not
2: an actual serial killer. Not an actual
1: active serial killer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know how to tell the difference between a guy who actually genuinely wants to let me know that my purse is on the ground or whatever versus a guy who's trying to lull me into whatever (gasps) or waiting till I say no so he can be aggressive at me. I I have no way of knowing Mm -hmm. that. And so my reaction is I'm wary of almost all men. it's,
2: It's the old thing about, you know, you get on like dating apps and shit and men are afraid they're going to get rejected and women are afraid they're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a huge fucking, it, like, it's Margot it's, it's the
1: same, it's, it's men are afraid they're going to get laughed at. Women
2: are afraid sure. going to get killed. But, uh, or, I mean, but it's the same thing with like, a black person gets pulled over versus a white person gets pulled over. Oh, a, I'm afraid I'm going to get a ticket. I'm afraid I'm going to get killed right now. Mm-hmm. Those are very, very different things mm-hmm. and it's based on a history Mm -hmm. And a track record of this shit happening to people regularly.
1: And unfortunately, when women... It's
2: always perpetuated by white men.
1: And when women and people of color come forward and say, these are my experiences. This has happened to me. The story that I told, the story that I just told could not be lower stakes, right? Like this Mm -hmm. guy did not get physically aggressive with Mm -hmm. me. He could have, especially if there are fewer Mm -hmm. people. Like, I don't know this dude. And he's just a drunk idiot. Yeah. And instead of... Again, we'll generalize. Instead of saying white men hearing this and being like, shit, is this how you feel when you go out in public? You always feel... You're always looking over your shoulder. You're always not sure if somebody... How can I make this world better for you? Instead, they get mad at us for having experiences that don't reflect their personal worldview, mm-hmm. and then they just double down.
2: Mm-hmm. It's. I'd recommend um, watching The Assistant. It's a uh, movie came out last year. Oh, and I didn't very see that. good. It's about a like a.
1: I didn't really you watch that without me.
2: Yeah, this is what I watched last weekend when you're gone. Oh. Um, it's 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 one of those like this like where it's all very subtle or, you know it's all low key mm-hmm. about assumptions mm-hmm. and like it's about like yeah i don't know that this person did anything but the optics of this mm-hmm. are not good and i'm coming forward with this thing to try to protect this person well what happened well nothing maybe or maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's all about that. The same way- Because of the, the, from your point of view of how you're looking at this situation, what's your worldview? Mm-hmm. And it's very, very different for in, women and men.
1: In the same way, stalking was not considered a crime until, I think, the 70s. Yeah. Because if you're stalking me and you're calling me and showing up in my house and following me around, you haven't done anything illegal. Yeah. You're, you're being a pest, but you haven't yeah. done it. We know now- and. Knew then, arguably that that escalates and
2: well, and it's the like. And it how me- often do you hear about women who report someone stalking them, and then they get dismissed, and then they wind up dead? And yeah. it's like, oh,
1: absolutely. Oh,
2: maybe we should have done something about this guy who was stalking that she called us multiple times. Like, I there's stories that I've seen of like the woman getting like tickets and shit for filing for abusive r- reporting well, that, or whatever. Um, like, not necessarily a unbelievable? false claim. Yeah, well, that's that. But not it's for, different, but it's... But, but the idea of like getting in trouble for misuse of police resources mm-hmm. when then this motherfucker kills her, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, maybe the police should have used any of those fucking resources. There's the,
1: dozens the, of stories like yeah, that. Yeah, the problem
2: is the police aren't designed to prevent anything, and they never have been. Right. They're there to show up after the fucking fact. They're
1: there to protect property.
2: Exactly. That's yeah. it. That's it.
1: Yeah, it's... um. It's distressing. It's not ideal. So, anyway, so this guy starts to um, back to Twin Peaks. He gets kind of up in her business, and she does a thing we've seen Laura Palmer do before, but only in the Red Room. Mm-hmm. That she again another kind of cheese ball effect, but touches her face, her hand to her mm-hmm. face, and, like and hinge- pulls it off hinges like hinges it open. Yeah, like yeah. a mask. Um,
2: only the inside is very different.
1: Very different. So when we saw Laura, it was just bright.
2: It was just glowing, a radiant white light. Yeah.
1: This was. How would you describe it?
2: It's black. Well, there's a few things that happen in it. Mm-hmm. It's it's black, and then it like a negative image of like a hand. Yes. Shows in with the it's the left hand. It's the left ring finger mm-hmm. is blackened, mm-hmm. uh, which is the life finger or whatever. Sure. We talked about that previously. Um. And then a smile
0: mm-hmm.
2: appears, which, from what I hear,
1: and it's not attached to a face. It's pe- yeah, just... it's uh,
2: people have done matching of that, like, like a reverse Google search. Yeah, well, yeah, but like cut it out and match it up, and supposedly it's this—it's the Laura Palmer Homecoming smile. No. Um, okay, I'll look at that. May that may or may not be whatever, but yeah. it, from what I understand, like piece by piece, they lined it up, and it seems to match. Which is interesting, but it's also just kind of a negative image, Mm -hmm. white smile, Mm -hmm. black, and you hear.
1: Wait, don't we see the white face with the black smile when Laura Palmer um, is being pulled into the.
2: White face with the black smile. Right. Like
1: their face is at some point when something happens to her, her face is suddenly white with.
2: Oh, well, you see her like Laura's real face is like painted. She's got the yellow teeth and the black lips. Uh Uh-huh. You see that, but this That's is I'm just wondering like... I wondered
1: if that was a uh, similar aesthetic. Uh, I mean, could be. Okay.
2: Um The same thing with like Wyndham Earl. When you first see him, he's very white with like black mm-hmm. licking mm-hmm. lips, um, yellow teeth. Um But yeah, then there's a line of dialogue and I don't remember what it is. Something is said, but you... It's while her hand is covering her mouth on the side of her face. And you see it kind of from behind, but she says something at him, and I honestly I don't remember what it is now.
1: Something like, "Do you want?" Or is yeah. this what you're in? Like, do you?
2: Is this what you wanted? Or some? Yeah, it's something. It's basically
1: like, threatening. Like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Here, here you go. Here's yeah. what you're asking for.
2: Sure. Um, and it's terrifying, and then just like really quick snap, like a snake. Yeah, like 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 just darts forward at him, bites his throat out. out. But also doesn't leave any remnants on her own mouth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So he and
2: she doesn't. She doesn't seem aware that it happens.
1: D- yeah. What do you think? Do you think she knows what she did?
2: I. This reminds me a lot of like the the whole pull the ripcord thing,
1: mm-hmm. where they talk
2: about Leland will get all his memories back mm-hmm. once I pull this.
1: Bob, this is or, Bob who's yeah. been possessing, and I feel
2: like this. This is there she's somehow occupied. And sometimes this entity takes over. And I think part of even the reason why she pushes this man away. To protect him? Is to protect him. Which is even more fucked up.
1: I wonder if. Because
2: she knows you're going to do some shit. It's going to piss me off. Mm-hmm. And this thing is going to come out. And you, and yeah, it's this a goddamn is, mystery, isn't it? Or whatever.
1: Based on not a whole lot. But I wonder if the reason that we constantly see uh, Sarah Palmer watching violent things is to keep that part of her at bay yeah. of like satisfying that oh, part yeah. of her of.
2: I think that hundred yeah. percent. Okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And then this is, this is a moment she's, I'm going to just try and go out and like, this is, this is an example of why she can't live a normal life.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so whatever is occupying her is fucked up mm-hmm. and we've, it maybe isn't always in her, mm-hmm. Because we hear the off-camera shit when Hawk is at her door. Like, something is going on with Sarah, and it's not just her.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's probably been there a long time because she's got this weird sixth sense yeah, it back feels, to the original to me, series.
1: Like, maybe it's a uh, a representation of schizophrenia. Sure. Because a lot of people... Not that I'm an expert, but people who have schizophrenia frequently acknowledge that like the voices they hear, they on some level know it's not real, Mm -hmm. but they can't necessarily control their own reaction over it, if that makes sense. So I, Which goes back
2: to the thing you were talking about earlier of, I know that's you, I know who you are, I can explain your name, but I don't have that emotional resonance to, like Mm -hmm. that's what these voices are, and I know they're not me, Mm -hmm. but I but it's like the the inverse of that. Mm-hmm. I get the emotional yeah. part of it, it but I It gets you
1: charged but up. But I don't know
2: who it is or what it is, but I know it's not actually yeah.
1: me. Um and so this or, guy yeah. dies horribly on this bar floor and I loved this interaction with the presumably bar owner or bartender mm-hmm. or whomever who who's like fuck? Yeah, and she's like, "Oh." <laughs> yeah,
2: I was just you saw me. I was just drinking my drink, mm-hmm. which it's delivered so earnestly.
1: Is that why you think she did That it? that
2: it Begs the question of: mm-hmm. Does she not know what happened, mm-hmm. or is she just so used to this kind of shit happening mm-hmm. that she can cover her ass?
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. And
2: then, and then he looks at her like, "Did you have anything to do with this?" It's a goddamn mystery, or whatever she mm-hmm. says. Like, so fucking scary. It's
1: very scary. Very very spooky. Scary. Yeah. Um, and then we head back to the roadhouse. Um, another conversation between two people we don't know about another person, uh, yeah. but this person's name is Billy
2: they're referencing that they're talking about do you know about? what happened do you know what
1: happened to Billy which
2: we've heard twice people wondering where the fuck Billy is
1: from Audrey Horn and from the random guy who ran into the double R right. to just yell for Billy um and so they're talking about Billy and one of it's, so it's two young women <clears throat> and one of them says like well,
2: "Oh, I, I saw him a couple of days ago he came into our house I was there with my mom I don't remember if my uncle was there which is so weird but like, they're clearly setting up like, she mentions her mom and oh, her mom and yeah. her mom. And you're like.
1: They're laying breadcrumbs We're oh, like, who's her mom? Her who's
2: her mom? And then they end this scene with her asking the question that's going through all, what's, what's your, your mom's, mom's name, name again? Tina. Fuck you.
1: For some <laughs> reason, that's the cruelest name they could have come up with. Like, Tina?
2: <laughs> and I think Tina is one of the five Have six we seven names that audrey drops in her little monologue mm-hmm. about this mm-hmm. person and this person and this person but we don't still don't know who the fuck tina is yeah or any variation like i'm like we haven't met a christina as far as i know or you know like yeah there's there's no like you're expecting her to be like oh what's your mom's name Mm-mm. audrey <gasps> oh or donna oh, oh. shit Okay. This is te- this is okay. These are all we got no, some ties. We got some just- connections. Yeah. Nothing. Yep. Nothing.
1: Absolutely nothing. Um, and then we uh, we cut to Lissy, who is our.
2: Yeah, she's great. She's- I love Lissy. I think she's just a tremendous musician. She
1: really. is. And Lissy, we both you discovered her through this yeah. through this very song, mm-hmm. and you got down on the on the soundtrack and kind of dug into her to her catalog, mm-hmm. and then. 2019 spring 2019 mm-hmm. i think she yeah, she released she played, a piano
2: album and then toured with it
1: yeah she, it was in evanston yeah huh space um and it was she is an incredible musician her oh, yeah. voice is bananas mm-hmm. it is she's so deeply talented and so just like herself in a way mm-hmm. that i can't explain um and she and when we saw her She wasn't playing it, so she's a musician in a lot of ways. She's also obviously a singer, and she
0: was just doing just sang
1: with a piano, Mm -hmm. and her voice is is incredible, magical. It's so good and so powerful and clear. Like, and her tonality is oh it's
2: like the perfect amount of rasp mm-hmm. like yeah it's
1: extraordinary and genuine and maybe it's just because it's the first she's song she's not I- a great
2: lip-synker yeah <laughs> and like for for the purpose of this episode like yeah. she's nowhere close to the mic half the time yeah um but it like she's having fun up there oh and, my god and I do I do genuinely love this song she's
1: fucking rocking out on that yeah oh, that bender. oh it's so good um that's the end of the episode well Michael don't worry we almost made it to two hours yeah uh, we are going to go eat our pizza that came early mm-hmm. um hey AD... but we
2: postponed it for you guys
1: yeah you're welcome by the way um we're about to go watch the snyder cut and Ugh. Ugh.
2: I watched the first hour and a half of it well and I was I, go- I was in Wisconsin it. last
1: week um
2: but just to... we've got a bo- I got a nearly a bottle of wine in me now and mm. so
1: see how it goes from here yeah. are you sure you don't want an edible I think it would improve no. your <laughs> you're all right um if I was just a guest on a uh, another podcast called God Awful movies where it's like a how did this get made flophouse type thing where they make fun of bad movies but it's about Christian cinema and it was a gas. like it was yeah. so much fun um they those boys made me laugh very very hard so it's it should be the most oh by the time this comes up it probably won't be the most recent one but it's called the God question and it's for fr- the movie that we reviewed is free on prime. Nothing happens, but I cannot stress enough how you should watch this movie. <laughs> I
2: am curious to hear what your comparison will be to God Question and the Snyder Cut.
1: Oh, I'll find some. I'll find some links. And I mean, that, no,
2: I mean like which is better? Like, which one did you?
1: Um, I mean, I watched the God Question twice because and, so, and it's
2: still not as long as
1: correct. <laughs> that's absolutely correct. So it's sub it's ninety minutes. minutes. It's like eighty five minutes. Yeah,
2: that's still only like two thirds of the yeah. Snyder Cut.
1: Um, no, I watched it twice because so little happened into it. I thought maybe like I was drunker than I thought I was and didn't pay attention. No, that wasn't the case. <laughs> it was just a bad nothing movie. And it's an ending that I I think the ending of this movie will haunt me for the rest of my life because <laughs> I don't understand what happened. Um, so yeah, you can find that on whatever your podcatcher of choice. Um, and unless you've got anything else about this episode, that's going to do it for us.
2: No. I it's it's an uh, overall I'm interested because I feel like this episode has less impact on me than it did I remember Even though watching you had this, that scene that you love yeah but I like I remember watching this episode the first time it aired mm-hmm. and being like holy shit we get like all that stuff was so new that like this episode is incredible and now it's good I I think it's all still very good I I Genuinely love that Sarah Palmer scene that's fantastic very good but it's all I don't know it just doesn't it doesn't hit me as hard maybe it just because you know I, I just I oh my god you gave this much agency to Andy mm-hmm. and this authority to Andy like I love that mm-hmm. like I love that you got Cole and Lucy together again but mm-hmm. and I think it I think it benefited from I haven't seen, you know, it's been 25 years since a lot of these characters got together and all that kind of stuff.
1: Sure. All right. That is going to do it for us. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper at Twin Peaks Podcast for Regular People, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.